Really good to welcome Greg Savage, a man who needs no introductions onto the TRM podcast ahead of his trip to the UK. We're going to be talking all about changes in client expectations. Um, what is recruitment business leaders? How should we be re reacting and mitigating the risk of a, of a downturn? Um, what are the most progressive recruitment agencies going to be doing better than others in 2023 and beyond? And finally, the candidate strategy. Are we missing a trick? Fascinating session as always with Greg. Enjoy. So massive welcome onto the TRM podcast to Greg Savage, dialing in from uh, Australia, ahead of a UK tour, a UK visit, Greg. Looking forward to having you back yeah. over here. Yeah, thank you, Gordon. It's always good to chat to you. I think tour is probably... Um, somewhat of an overstatement, but I am coming to speak to the REC or for the REC in London, 31st of August for owners and managers, three hour masterclass on preparing for a changing market. So I'd love to see people there. And I seem to have found myself um, some tickets for various football matches. And, and it's just, it's a normal work trip for me, Gordon. Lovely, lovely. Uh, and unfortunately, we're not going to have time to talk about Australian rugby and recent results, but... Um... Let's move on, shall we? <laughs> um Greg, last time you and I spoke, we were you, you kindly jumped on and did a session for all our members about uh, uh, managing finances in a uh, in a recession, in a, in a severe downturn. Uh, so that was going back. And, and presumably you've not been over here since um, since the beginning of COVID. So it's great to see you see you see you back here. Um, there's a few areas I'd absolutely love to get into because obviously the world has moved forward and changed in lots and lots of ways. And we're still in an interesting period globally and economically at the moment um so, so i'd like to start off in terms of client expectations what clients are looking for now and what they'll be looking for moving forward that possibly they weren't looking for uh pre-covid so, so what's changed from a client expectation point of view well it's a good question and um i, I feel that that some of us in the industry have missed the boat a little bit you can still get on the boat and the boat is this i i think that during covid um, a lot of clients reviewed what they got from recruitment companies. And I think having had time to contemplate, I believe that a lot of clients realized that the market had become, or the industry had become very transactional. It was very much a, a resume race that the, what they were really getting from recruiters was just resumes if they were lucky. And, and I believe that the door is still open to building more consultative and advisory relationships with clients. And I think that is the opportunity. It's, a, it's an easy thing to say. It's a difficult thing to do because you need consultants who have that ability and you need to take a longer term view in terms of your relationship with the client. So I, I think that um, there are clients who are now looking for insights and guidance and advice. And I see some of my, my clients who are recruitment companies, obviously, really stepping up. And for example, consulting to the client, there's plenty of opportunities on things like Client says, you would have seen it. I, I want people to work in the office. You know, I want this financial controller that you're hiring for me to work in the office five days a week. Average recruiter, I'll do my best. Good recruiter, well, Mr. Client, my advice to you is not to go that way because you're going to hire from a second tier of people. And it's very, it's very low level, but it's much more consultative. And I think there are still clients who will push for the lowest fee, but I'm seeing an appetite to pay a fair fee and get a better service. And um, some recruiters are really embracing that. And what we've seen as a result is 
And I read, I wrote a blog on it yesterday. We're seeing some individual recruiters billing so much more because they're getting much more out of their clients and their clients are getting much more out of them. But then there's this other group of recruiters, Gordon, who've just rushed back and gone back to doing it the way they've always done it. Mm. And um, I think that's a mistake. I think clients want recruiters to act as their agents uh, in the true sense of the word. To rep- For example, to, to, to sell their employer brand, especially in a candidate type market. What you want from your recruiter is not your recruiter to go, oh yeah, I'll just whiz this resume around to my eight best clients and one of them will hire this person. Right? That's what a lot of recruiters will do. Um, they want to have a closer relationship. There, there is an appetite and an opportunity to have a closer relationship with the client where you, you will be their advocate in the marketplace and their ambassador. And, and then the fee that, you know, as long as it's commercially fair, it's not so much of an issue because the client values you so much more than just as a resume donkey, so to speak. The other thing I'll say on this is a lot of recruiters still think that their job is screening candidates and referring resumes. That's part of their job. But the real value and what clients really want is to engage a recruiter who can find them candidates that clients can't find themselves. And, and that seems like, you know, off the bat, a really silly and superficial comment. It's actually smarter than it sounds because clients have got their internal teams. They can run ads. They've got LinkedIn. They've got technology. They, they can screen candidates as well as we can. What they want is a recruiter who's built an infrastructure and a market uh, community that allows them to bring candidates to the hiring table that they don't see anywhere else. And that means that recruitment company leadership must look at very different ways of of engaging with talent acquisition. Mm. So I'll rephrase that. I don't mean engaging with the client. I mean finding candidates. It's not all about job boards and LinkedIn. They're part of the puzzle, but increasingly they're a smaller part of the puzzle. So I think there is, um, you probably didn't expect such a fulsome answer, but there is quite a change in clients' expectations, Gordon. Yeah, and I think it's a good opportunity for us. And you, um, I'm interested in those those clients of yours that you work with, with, with close, closely. Um, when it comes to shifting the mindset to become a true advisor and an expert in talent that's sort of embedded and, and a true partner in the business, what skill what skill set and where's where's the emphasis and the and the, the the push coming to make that change because you know back in the day when i was client side i had one or two recruiters that worked incredibly closely with me that just got got the fact that they could add value to me because they knew shed loads of stuff that i didn't know the talent yeah. intelli- talent intelligence the insights the you know the, the what's happening from a pay point of view what people are wanting mm. um so what, what, how, how, why are these, these progressive recruiters shifting? What are they doing differently? Is it training? Is it, is it strategy? Is uh, it... It's, it's, it, yeah, it's great. That's a great question. First of all, they're hiring a slightly different competition. Like a lot of people are hiring uh, rookies into the industry. When I say rookies, they're not necessarily youngsters. Yeah. They often are. But they're people who don't have recruitment experience. And then I think the raw competencies that we're looking for is there's been a shift. And, and you have to hire people who have the ability to be consultative and, and therefore they need a certain intellect. Um, uh, and I don't mean that disparagingly, but you need to be able to push back, uh, ask smart questions, listen, and, and, and all those core skills that are not um, necessarily found in recruiters who even do bill quite a lot, ironically. Mm-hmm. So I think there's that, but there's also, for example, changing the emphasis of the relationship with the client. So I've got plenty of clients who have moved their business from 80% contingent in competition to 80% exclusive. 
or retained. And it's not so much an exclusive retained scenario, it's the commitment. So if a client gives you the commitment to work with you exclusively, they are, they are giving you a share of the solution. Most clients only give recruiters a share of the problem. I've got a problem, fill it, send me resumes. But they don't give them a share of the solution. And the solution is actually working on the solution. So salary, all the things you said, salary, work from home, um, title, move faster, mate. You've got to sell the business better. And if you've got a job exclusive, the client is saying, the client is saying, take my problem and you solve it. Right. And this is as old as the bloody hills, but um, the whole exclusive contingent thing. Um, but it's, I've got clients who've moved the dial on that. That then they train the consultants on selling that. They train the consultants on pushback, on advice, you know, like, like not even agreeing with a client that will start the search unless you take my advice on salary. Not, not put to them in that confrontational way, but many recruiters will know that the job is 100 grand, not 90, but they'll still try and find this mythical person who's going to work on 90, which sets them up to disappoint the client and reinforce in the client's mind we can't deliver. It's much better to have the debate about the salary and actually say, well, Mr. Client, I want to help you. In fact, I've been dying to work with you for four years, but I'm not going to take this brief on because that job's not billable at, at your criteria. Obviously, that's worded in a much better way. So it's teaching people all those skills, Gordon. Um, the thing is, and you know, like I've been in recruit, recruitment a long, long time. So I feel like I love it, but I'm also then in a position to be able to criticize it. So there are plenty of recruitment owners who've got a much shorter vision on life. It's like, fill this month's jobs, mate. Don't you worry about that. Whack that resume across town to 12 people and you'll hit the target somewhere. Mm. And the thing is, in a candidate type market, it does work to a degree. So the numbers look good, but the real substance of the recruiter is actually very lopsided. They don't have client side skills. And I think that's a big danger that we're facing at the moment. And it does feel to me, just to finish up, finish up on, on client expectations that, that, that too many uh, consultants or people interacting with their clients do not understand the expectation because they're not asking the right questions in the first place, which is- uh, uh, I think that's, I mean, question, uh, you know, I, I, I have a little saying, I think I uh, like most of my sayings, I, I almost certainly stole it from somebody else who, who I would give no credit. But, but it's, um, you know, when the client is talking, you're selling. Most recruiters think when they're talking, they sell. Mm. But selling is questioning and listening and understanding. And then you pitch the solution based on the knowledge, right? But a lot of recruiters are like, I've got this great candidate, but it's more like, what's the problem? Mm. What's the, what have you done so far? You know, all that. Um, but it does depend on the client sort of agreeing to come on the journey. So, for example, I know we don't go and visit clients face to face much anymore, although in Australia, that's coming back, particularly with my clients, because um, I'm advising them to. But if a client won't give you the time of day to take a proper job description, then that is not a client that you really probably want to invest in. Um, so if the client's like, oh, yeah, mate, look, here's a, um, here's a, a job description attached to this email. Just find me some candidates. Now, there's a huge group of recruiters who'll go and do that. And that is, you know, not, they haven't been given any equity by that. They haven't been given any share in the solution. They just, they just, to be frank, they're like little dogs on the beach and clients throwing them a bone and said, chase it. All the doggies are chasing it. Horrible metaphor. People get offended. But that's what it's like. You don't want to be that. Mm. You want to be a partner. And that's what we should work towards. Yeah, no, I love it. Now, now we're in, um, uh, you know, there was news yesterday about the... Um, uh, 
the economy for, economic forecast. Um, yeah. And I'm just really interested in 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 your view. So we're 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 avoiding the R word, the recession word, but uh, Q4 Q4 is going to be interesting over here. Um, and I'm just really interested from a from a recruitment leadership point of view. Uh, we've come out of this great period that everybody's been enjoying record quarters, record months. What should be that? What should what should recruitment leaders be doing right here, right now, to mitigate the risk of of, of whatever's coming our way? Yeah. So, mate, um, anyone who makes predictions about the economy is a fool. So, obviously, I do it all the time. Um, but the prediction the prediction I'll make isn't when there's going to be a downturn or a recession. The prediction I'll make is that there will be a downturn. Absolutely will. I just don't know when. If I knew when, I'd probably be shorting the stock market and stuff. But, you know, I've been through 13 or 14 recessions. They're cyclical. They will happen again. We as an industry are leveraged to that. So there will be a downturn. And if you get seduced by your current profits and for any, in any way, allow that um, to, to, uh, to stop you from making the right decisions about a changing market, you're setting yourself up for a horrible fall. So there's a few things, you know, the, the language I'm using is this, that now is the time to, to fix the holes in your roof before the rain comes. That's the metaphor. And we've got holes in our roof. What I mean by that is there are a lot of recruiters who are billing quite big numbers, Gordon, who actually are, are very good on the candidate side, the assessing, the matching, the logistics. But they, they've never done a cold call in their life. They've never done a client meeting in their life. They don't even take qualified job orders, most of the work is coming in through the company's brand or the senior people's legacy. And they're doing great. I'm not going to demean them. Well done. But they've got a lopsided skill set. So now is the time. You know, I'll give you an example. I was in a recruitment company a, a while ago and um, I was lurking around like I do. And there was a conversation going on. And the theme of the conversation, I'll paraphrase it, is, hey, guys, I don't really have to spend much time on clients because if I've got a candidate, Every client will talk to me, was the theme. And, and he's right, the guy who said that. But I would add two words onto that for now. Because when the wheel turns, you, he's going to have, they're going to have no credibility, no relationship, no substance. And, you know, when, when if a recession comes or even a serious downturn, you know, your, your permanent placement revenue will drop 50% and, um, or more. And a whole lot of recruiters who've been riding the wave will not have the ability to cope in that market. So um, we need to be more consultative. We need to prove our value beyond resumes, et cetera. You know, recruitment's become more remote, Gordon, because of COVID mm. by law initially. But now it's remote by choice. Now, I'm not getting into the work from home debate. I really don't give a continental about that. What I care about is this. Recruitment may have got more remote, but it doesn't need to say that you should become less engaged. And that's the mistake a lot of recruiters have done. So a one-hour interview with a consultant in my office became a 30-minute Zoom, and now it's a 10-minute phone call. That is a fact across the world. Um, a meeting with a client to take the job where I can look in his eyes and debate that becomes a res an email with a job description attached to it. Mm -hmm. So the engagement has dropped. And that is going to catch people out. So I think the actions people, I mean, just as an example, we should, we should um, engage face-to-face. -face. We should build deeper relationships. We should get away from our keyboards more. And again, the phrase I'm using is it's time for recruiters to flex their BD muscle, business development muscle. And it's counterintuitive 
but we should be nurturing clients for the future. I'll give you an example, right, of, of another, just a quick example. True, my client told me the story. His recruiter provided a, can, a candidate to a client, went well, second interview, third interview. Both the recruiter and the client thought that the job would be accepted. Guess what? The recruiter turned it down. No surprise there, it happens every day. So the recruiter, thinking he was doing the right thing, called the client and said, hey, I'm really sorry. She's turned the job down. Let's start again. And the client said, hold on, why? Why did she turn it down? Was it to do with salary? Was it to do with work from home? Was it to do with our interview process? Was it to do with me? He said, could I interview differently? What did she get? And he asked about 10 questions and the recruiter couldn't answer one of them. Because the recruiter was like, oh, job not filled, move on. And what the client was actually doing was saying, give me some insights, advise me. And it's a great, and I want to pick on the recruiter because he'd be in the majority, right? But it's a, it's a time to nurture clients. So if I was running a recruitment company, and certainly um, most of my clients are doing this based on my advice, I would run a list of my top 20 client contacts, contacts per recruiter. You know, the, the, there are plenty of people who think they've got good clients and they build a lot with them last year and they've never met them. That is dangerous. And they don't even see them on a Zoom like this because it's become very familiar. So I would say, don't see them all. I would literally, and you can do that. And people talking about work from home, blah, blah. Do you want to be good at this job or not? Do you want to secure relationships or not? So you've got to use the mechanism that gives you the outcome you want. And sometimes it's a text and sometimes it's the phone and sometimes it's a Zoom, but sometimes it's face-to-face. -face. So I would list my top 20 design. Who's doing business development? So what about the clients that I'd like to work with, but I don't have to bother about marketing to them because I've got all these other brilliant clients. Well, that's going to go away. So I would set up sales meetings. It's counterintuitive because most recruiters, if you say that, they're like, hey, but I need to spend time on candidates because I've got all these empty jobs. I know, but the wheel's going to turn. I would run a list of every client in my database that I hadn't spoken to for 100 days, and I'd speak to them. And I'd run a list of every candidate we placed in the last five years, and I'd speak to them. So I think what we need is to allocate some time to client nurturing, building relationships, because what's going to happen is this. And I promise you it'll happen. I just don't know when. The market will, the market will um, look, the market might slow slightly. In which case, Gordon, it might be good for us. We might have a better match of candidates and jobs and we might be even better. That might happen. At some point, we're going to have 2008 all over again. We're going to have the 90s all over again, 2001. Big, big, deep recessions that last two, three years. And our permanent vacancies will drop 60, 70%. Mm. That'll clean up half the industry. And then suddenly all those recruiters will desperately get on the phone and try and call clients. None of those calls will ever be picked up because there's no equity. There's no relationship. There's no credibility. So now's the time to fix the hole in the roof. So that's my, my feeling. And re remember, if I'm wrong and there's no recession, well, I won't be. But if, if, if I'm wrong for a year or two or three, it's still good stuff you're doing. It's not valueless. It's what we should be doing. Yeah. And, and, you, and you're having seen as many upturns and downturns as, as you've seen. Is your experience that there's too much short-termism and that actually thinking a little bit of further ahead, recognising that something's down the track, we should be changing this, slightly tweaking the sales now? I, I would, like if I was leading a recruitment company now, I would be doing things at a consultant level that I've spoken about, but I'd also be thinking about um, 
just making some smart decisions like big expenditure items that I couldn't get out of, right? So I wouldn't be taking three offices of marble uh, offices overlooking Sydney Harbour. You know, people aren't doing much of that now, but they are doing some of it. I would be creating an environment where people love to work, so my consultants have that option, definitely. But I wouldn't be committing to that. I wouldn't be spending big on technology that wasn't going to give me a return, and, and we should spend on technology. I'm just saying about get the balance right. Um, I would be working really hard to equip my consultants. You know, you know this, you've been through enough recessions, that, and we saw it in COVID, right? In, 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 in uh, April, May, and June, 2020, cast your mind back. That's when we suddenly realized, fuck, this COVID thing is serious. April, May, and June, 2020, 36% of all agency recruiters in Australia got fired. That's a fact. Because somebody surveyed it. Nigel Haas surveyed it from staffing industry. Um, staffing industry. Can't remember the name of his company, but Nigel Haas surveyed it. And most of the people who got fired at that time had less than one year's experience. I bet the same thing happened in the UK. Those people who got fired never came back to the industry. That was two and a half years ago. What are we looking for now? People with three years experience. Every recruitment company in the world is trying to hire somebody with two or three years experience. A whole generation was decimated. Mm. So when we have a downturn, what will happen again with many companies is they will let half their staff go. And they've just spent two years trying to find and and mentor and grow those people. And they will let them go because it's the only lever they've really got that we've got. 60, 70% of our growth of our expenses are on salaries. They'll let them go. What a tragedy. And it'll set the company back in its growth five years because when we come out of the recession, we'll have to start again. And then everyone will be hiring recruiters and we can't find them. So much better to equip your people at a human level and a commercial level to survive. So they can get, okay, we may not bill much, we may not make much money, we won't lose money, we get through the recession. When we come out the other side, we've got this whole army of, you know, toughened veterans almost that can, that can have been through the, the fire with their clients and will be able to thrive. Mostly what will happen is that a company that's now got 20, 30 recruiters will go down to 10. Mm. And in five years, they'll be back to 20, you know, instead of preparing for the future. Uh, what's likely to come yeah no look i'm going to ask you about what what the most progressive recruitment businesses will be doing in 2023 and beyond just to get your sort of your view on it just before i do i just want to get onto the candidate piece and just share an observation and sense check it with you and feel free to say i'm talking rubbish um one of my observations is and we did some work on it um earlier on in the year is that there is a you know, potentially 70% of our, our activity within a recruitment firm is, is focused on the candidate, marketing to them, engaging them, sourcing them, placing them. Um, and yet when it comes to sort of the strategic representation of the candidate, um, certainly in a lot of organisations, the candidate seems to be underrepresented. But when, when I sit in on board meetings, when I look at strategies, when I look at uh, slide decks, which for the annual general meeting, when people are going to talk about the amazing things they've done, uh, when, when I look at for strategic plans, the candidate seems to be underrepresented, which feels wrong when the candidate obviously is a product, but it's also one of our key customers. And I was just interested in your, in your view on that, on the basis that, you know, certainly there will be talent shortages in some sectors for year, years to come, and there will be talent shortages in the future, irrespective of the economic, uh, um, whatever economic cycle we're in. Is that something that, that you agree with, disagree with? Yeah. Um, I, I agree with it entirely. It's universal and it's pervasive and it's been, it's a decades old, maybe 
maybe forever. Um, because Why the client pays the because the client pays the fee, so we bow down to the god of who pays the fee, which is um, actually nonsensical because what the client pays the fee for is a candidate. So we've always needed both. It's actually the reverse of what I've been saying. At the moment, everyone's chasing candidates and clients, well, they'll talk to us because they need candidates. The wheel will swing slightly and it'll be the client in the driving seat. We need both. And you're quite right. I've, 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 I've sat in countless board meetings where that's been the case. And I think um, it's interesting that you raise this because this and your next question are exactly what I'm going to be talking about in, in this thing I'm coming to London to talk about. It's, it's very much about building a candidate strategy that is um, pays the same, I can't think of good words, the same homage that we do to clients, puts the same emphasis on, I guess is what I'm saying. And, and, and it needs to go well beyond just a budget for uh, LinkedIn licenses and uh, job board expenditure. It, it's, it's a rich cocktail of automated marketing using our database problem. I mean, still to this day, most recruiters default to running ads or doing something not, they don't know how to search the database. People aren't coded in the database properly. The database is, is a candidate graveyard. It's full of dead people. I mean, some of the people actually could be dead, but we wouldn't know because we don't engage with them, you know? And, but they did figuratively because they did to us because we can't access them. And yet there they are and we've paid to recruit them. They've been interviewed by somebody. They're in there and there should be a, a real engagement program. Almost like, um, you know, like it, it, it's amazing how uh, consumer marketing is so good at this. They engage with us all the time and we get a bit irritated, but we could engage with our candidates because they have a, we could place them four or five times in their career. And on the contract side, 20 times or more. So um, there's that. There's, there's event marketing that, that some of my clients are doing for candidates. Could be online, could be in real life. Um, there's getting better at teaching our recruiters on how to approach people. I, I, I mean, candidates, LinkedIn's becoming less effective because candidates are getting spanned by recruiters saying, hey, I've got a great job for you. Mm. That's the same as me stopping you in the street and saying, you know, you don't know me. I stop you, I say, I've got a great car for you. And you're like, how do you know I need a car? Do you know what I need to use my car for? You know, am, am I a guy who's got six surfboards, 12 kids? Am I going through a midlife crisis? I need a sports car. You've got to ask a thousand questions. But most recruiters don't do that when they, 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 they're like, I've got a job for you. And, and so teaching your recruiters how to approach people and even changing the recruiter mindset about candidates, right? Most recruiters' mindset, most recruiters, if you pin them down, said, what's the definition of a candidate? They would say a candidate is someone looking for a job. Incorrect. Well, yeah, correct, but not far enough. A candidate is someone, this is the definition of a candidate, a candidate is someone who's got the skills your clients will hire. That's the definition of a candidate. Whether they're looking for a job or not is just a question of timing. They will be next week, next month, next year, and you're still going to be a recruiter. So why, why are you not engaging with that? Because we're so short-term thinking. It's like, I need, but Greg, I've got 16 open orders. I know, mate, but you've also got this group of candidates who if you build up and nurture and engage with them, they will come back with, to you when they are ready and they will work with you exclusively and you can act as their agent in the marketplace, which totally changes the dynamic. So I'm 100% with you on that, Gordon. I think it's, again, like everything, it's a leadership issue. We need to put the emphasis, the resources, training and the focus on it. Um, can we go um, big picture, Greg? And, and, and I know you're going to go into this... Um... Uh, at the event when you come over here in, a, in an awful lot more detail but 
if we were to look at what the early adopters and the early majority of the most progressive companies will be doing in, in 12, 18 months that the others won't be, um, you've already talked about that. Um, yeah. The partnership and the true, truly consultative and advisory approach. What, what else are you anticipating that'll, that'll be really hot with among the most progressive recruiters? Okay, that's, that's a good question. And uh, sure, I'll answer it in five minutes when I'm coming to London to do, to do it in three hours, Gordon. No worries at all. You know, I like to help you. Um, it's, it's first of all, getting the style of leadership right. So I think what's happened in COVID uh, is people have gone one of two ways. All about how people are feeling and empathy and um, making sure it's perfect or get on with it, hit your numbers. And neither are right. It's empathy, definitely, but it's empathy with outcomes. So we need to understand the mindset and the needs of our staff. We need to create an environment where they can thrive, but we also need hardcore productivity outcomes. And very few leaders can get that balance right. But that is gonna be a deal break. We need to hire better. We need to hire a different kind of person into it. We're always following the same old two-year graduate, played rugby and went to a good school. We hire them as recruiters, you know? And, you know, and, and I, I don't wish to offend anybody, but trust me, it hasn't changed that much. So um, we need a different style of hiring. We need to hire a more diverse group of people. There's a lot of ways to skin a cat. Our clients are diverse, our candidates are diverse. And, and we need to look for certain competencies, which I won't go into now because that's about 20 minutes on its own, but uh, we need to get so much better at training. You know, we need to get a higher percentage of our rookies coming through that succeed. I mean, this is as, age as old as the hills and everyone knows this, but no one, not no one, very few people are doing it well. And I do have some clients who are investing hugely in the own internal academies, um, video training, uh, a, 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 a passport style thing where people can't go on to the next stage of, of working in the team until they've mastered these skills and investing a lot and they're getting much better returns. And one of my clients hired 30 rookies since January and they're tracking about 25 still, you know, six months later, who looking good. That is great. Now, if, if 20 are still there in two years, that's millions of dollars of revenue, right? So what a great investment, but they worked hard. So that is a deal break, um, a, a differentiator. Um, changing the relationship with clients, as I touched on before, more commitment, more exclusively walking away. Changing the definition of a client, of a good client. Now, often a good client is, oh, they're a big company. You know, they're ABC Bank. They hire hundreds and thousands of people. And we are on their PSL. And I'm like, is that a good thing? Yes, it's ABC Big Bank. And I'm like, how many other people on the PSL? Oh, I think there's 300. What are the fees? Oh, they shit, but... It's ABC Bank. The definition of a good client is completely different. It's, it's a client um, who, first of all, the major criteria in this market to define a good client is somewhere where your candidates want to work. That's the first thing. So no matter how good they are in all the other respects, do people want to accept jobs there? Have they got an employer brand and a, and, and, and a product and a reputation that's going to attract people? First thing. Second thing is, do they take your advice? Do they move fast? These are the things that define a good client, not ABC, big bank that we always try. Like I, I don't want that client on low margins. They pay me in 90 days. They um, slow, they don't communicate. And yet people bow down to these companies because they're big. Not for me. I changed the definition of a candidate as I explained. So that we take a longer 
my smart clients are taking a longer term view on Canada. They're building up relationships with people who are not looking to move in the knowledge that they will move. And when they move, they'll come to us. Um, better planning. You know, a lot of people have a vision and I think that's fine, but, and you should have it and it evolves. But I like a two types of plan. Christmas day plan, which means one year. Um, so right now you could have Christmas day 22 or Christmas day 23. I don't mind. It's a measurable piece of time. And you put up on the whiteboard. We're going to have 20 people. We're going to have five contract recruiters. We're going to have open this division. We're going to change our ATS. That's our plan. And we, and then you have a hundred day sprints, which are, and I spend half my time in board meetings and I, you know, I'm the voice of accountability. I don't even work there, but I'm like, what, what was our sprint? What have we done? What, what, why not? You know, and, and, and that's how you move a business forward. A lot of these visions are in five years, we'll be the biggest marketing recruiter in the UK. Yeah, that was like me. I was going to play for the Springboks and the Wallabies when I was young. Didn't happen. That's just aspirational. What you want is a 100-day plan. And, and people who plan better win more often. And then there's this whole thing around productivity. You know, I'm going to use the word KPIs, the big swear word in recruitment. There's nothing wrong with KPIs. It's the way they implement it that's the problem. You do, there is no one who's good at anything who doesn't measure it to improve on. And we need much smarter use of productivity and goals and getting recruiters' ownership of that. The other thing that I would look at, uh, I'm just whipping through some things because you asked, and um, I think people, because of the shortage of consultants, have come up with some crazily unproductive commission and salary schemes. They're left with very high salaries. They're sharing too much of the gross profit too soon. And it might look okay while it's booming, but when the revenue is dropped by half, the consultant will get 80% of the money and you'll go bust. So I, I think people are being smart about how they're rewarding people. I think people are walking away from what we call PSAs and you call peer, smart companies are walking away from them or negotiating. You know, the P in the word, in the phrase PSL, you know what it stands for? It stands for preferred. But most PSLs are not preferred. Mm. You are just one of 50 people. You're not preferred yeah. at all. In yeah. fact, you, and you paid a shit rate and you paid late. That's not preferred. So I'd work away from things. Why would I in a candidate type market accept that? People get seduced with volume over profit. And, and I think the other thing is smart marketing and smart technology, all of which are a topic on their own. So there's 10 things, Gordon, that I think, um, you know, the, the recruitment companies that are going to win are, are really thinking about. That's the conversation piece, those things. And then drill down on it, come up with a plan. You don't have to, people are scared of the word innovation. They think, oh, you know, I'm not, a, in a, I can't invent Uber or Facebook or whatever. Innovation is just incremental change on things that need Why do we do it this way is the best question an owner could ask. And don't accept the answer unless it's really a compelling answer. Why do we pay people this way? We've always paid people this way and it's worse. Mm, is there now a better way? You know, why, why do we take on PSLs? Well, we built our business on PSLs. Remember the ABC Bank PSL and we made a million dollars. But now is it right for us is the question. Why do we do it this way? That's the thinking I'd like to see. Love it, love it. Greg, every time I talk to you, there is so much value coming up thick and fast. Um, can people, I just want to have a couple of questions. A, uh, if you haven't got Greg's book, The Savage Truth, buy it. We gave it to every single one of our members. He's holding it in front of him. It doesn't, doesn't really work, but it is there. 
<laughs> it's an absolute gem. Uh, we give it every single TRM member. It's so good. Um, you've got your academy. Uh, yeah, the academy is uh, it's an online. It's an online. It's about 40, 50 hours of video. We're adding to it all the time. It's it's almost all savage video, but I, i.e., me. But I am bringing in other experts. It's a subscription. It's very low cost. It's not a full AT um, learning system. It's more a content system of video, yeah. but um, very low cost. You can get out of it at any time. Well, quarterly. Most people don't. And I'd like you. I think you could have. A, I mean, like for example, the stuff I've been talking about now. There's a four-hour masterclass on that. Brilliant. Just, just you know, for example. Love it. And, and uh, can people still see you in London when you come over? Yeah. The um, it's on the 31st of August, Gordon. It's a Wednesday, I think. Um, it's in central London. It'll be on the REC website or somebody could easily just flick me a LinkedIn request and I'll send you the uh, link. Uh, I think there's 100 booked in and the room capacity is 150, although they may change that to theater style. So it looks like there's a bit of an appetite for in real life con conferences. Again, I know you, your organization has had a few of those. Um, so anyway, love people to come. 31st of August, it's on thriving in 23 and beyond and it's all the topics that we've been talking about today brilliant love it uh, and, and finally just two very quick questions for you give us one recruitment business that you're particularly um, uh, inspired by um, that for you is a benchmark in, in great practice that we should maybe keep an eye on well you know I'm on the board of 16 recruitment companies so singling one out is a bit like telling you which of my children I love the most, which would be <laughs> terrible. It, oh, by the way, it's Hannah, by the way, just in case they're listening. Um, <laughs> none of them can hear me. Um, uh, <laughs> oh, God, don't show that to the other two. Um, uh, so um, there's a company called People to People. True, it's close to my high. I was one of the founders. I'm, I'm just on the board now. I don't, I'm not even a shareholder anymore. But I like the, the I like the blend of humanity and commerce that they've managed to engineer. They treat people really well. They spend a lot of money on on their staff in training and events and recognition. But they also expect high performance. You know, I think the ethos there. These are my words: is we're we're one of the best. You know, like a sporting analogy would be: we're one of the best teams. And you get a lot of benefits being on the best team, but you've got to also give a lot. And, and I love that. Um, I think it's a, they've hit the nail on the head. I'm sure they've got a lot of, oh, they've got a lot of faults, of course, but they, they, they really get that right. As a result, they have high re retention. I went to the longevity lunch in Melbourne. That's for everyone who's been in the company over five years. There were 47 of us there. You know, um, just give you a feel. It's like being with family. So I love that. Uh, and one of the things they've done recently which I think is smart. They, they, they produced uh, a document on the market. You know, people do that. But instead of sending it to clients, they've got about 100 consultants across the country. They had a, they had a campaign and everyone arranged 20 meetings with clients face-to-face. -face. That was the goal. So 100 times 20 is 2,000. They got, so they arranged 2,000 client visits in three days. No bullshit. They're over the next four months and they'll be cancelled and others will. But that, so just think of the benefit of, 2,000 of their consultants sitting opposite 2,000 customers. Mm. It's very easy to do. Okay, they've got 100 people. If you've got 10 people and you set a goal of going out to see 20 people in the next, that's going to be 200 face-to-face -face meetings. Mm. They train them on what to get out of those meetings. And I love that kind of thinking. They've, they've, they've got they're great at technology. 
but they've kept it human. And that, to me, is actually the secret of success in recruitment. Because recruitment is a marriage of art and science, right? So get them both working together. Love it, love it. And final, final question, Greg. Uh, just, just one individual. It might be an Australian sports person or, uh, or just one person in any walk of life that particularly inspires you. Oh, well, uh, I'll give one that no one will know and then one that everyone will know. Um, it is a sports person. The captain of the Australian rugby team is, is an incredible guy for his work ethic and his leadership and his sportsmanship. So I do admire him and I, I am want to say to my kids who are all adults now, that's how you should play sport. And they say, fuck off, Dad, um, which is fine. Um, but the other person that you would know, and this is, everyone would know this person, and that is the um, president of the Ukraine. I find him inspiring, Zelensky. Um, he's brave. You know, if you're a bit of a historian type buff, which I'm not a buff, but I'm interested in it, mostly in that sort of situation, the government would then lead from exile. They would have left. He didn't do that. He's faced up to the bullies face on. Um, I don't know what type of guy he really is, and history will judge him. But from what I can see, I find it inspirational. He's, got, he's garnered the country. He's, uh, he's really put up an incredible show. And he's also done a brilliant job of marketing, if you think about it. You know, he's, he's at a... He's at, Glastonbury, he's at this, he's at that. He's pushing, he's marketing his cause. And that's that's helped them survive. So I find him inspirational. As I say, you don't really know until afterwards uh, whether a person is what they seem, but I do find that inspirational. I mean, that to me is leadership personified what he's done. So yeah, there's a guy that I find inspirational. Yeah, brilliant. Greg, couldn't agree more. Greg, uh, it's been fantastic. Really, really appreciate you. Uh, Gentlemen, on to share your thoughts. Um, Masterclass, thirty first of uh, August. August. We'll put out. We'll put out all the details, and yep. uh, and uh, it's on the REC website. Greg Savage, uh, the Savage Truth, uh, is yep. the book to have on your bookshelf, and uh, and the Academy. Check it out. Thank you, mate. Thank you. Great. For that. Um, yeah, lovely to chat. Good to catch up again. And we used to see each other in London back in the day uh, when I was over there, and. Um, I, I really appreciate you taking the time to chat. And anyone on this call who I might know, I do know a lot of people in the UK recruitment industry. Hello to you all. Hope to see you at this, at this event down in London. SE1, I think it is. Not sure. No, no, no. I don't know where it is. But I'll be there. I'll find out. <laughs> Love it. Thank you, Greg. Okay. See ya. Bye.